1: Coming up on Stew Does America, the economy. I mean, well, I guess that's not really coming up. It's more like it's going down into the depths of hell. But we will explain all of it with a chartapalooza. Coming up in just a moment, Joe Biden as well is trying to give away a trillion dollars without asking Congress. We'll talk to the people who are suing him over it. And Trevor Noah is leaving The Daily Show. Unfortunately, this is happening long after the viewers already left him.
2: Stew Does America.
1: BlazeTV.com slash stew is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. You should do that. It's awesome. Use the promo code stew to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Click like, click follow, click the little bell. Do all the things we do really appreciate it. But let's start by doing the edge of the economic cliff because that's kind of seems like where we are right now. You know, doesn't it? I don't know. It feels that way to me. Is that true? Is the data backing that up? We're going to get into that today with a Chartapalooza! palooza. Conservanerds unite. Let's start, though, with how reality and fiction are getting more and more difficult to tell apart. The Babylon Bee, of course, they do a great job over there. Lots of funny stuff that they put out. And sometimes they just put these articles out and then the mainstream media even after the, the Babylon B has predicted their idiocy, will come out and do the same exact thing. For example, Babylon B came out with this article, nine reasons not to worry about the tanking economy. And they had reasons like Biden and Kamala have totally got this. Never has there been a more brilliant pair of politicians than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. $4 gas won't be a problem once you've been forced to buy a $100,000 electric car. Uh, you're probably fat and could use a few weeks without food. It's worth worth it if the tanking economy saves just one climate. And of course, uh, the middle ages weren't that bad. They owned nothing. They were happy for their entire 20 year lives. So there's lots of reasons why the tanking economy will be great for you. Um, But it's funny, the way they phrased that was, don't worry, nine reasons not to worry about the tanking economy. Here's the article from The Washington Post. Seven ways a recession could be good for you financially. Now, it's funny because I think I'm pretty sure the Babylon B headline is actually better than The Washington Post headline. I mean, it's even more extreme, I think, uh, on The Washington Post. But uh, they, by the way, a couple of their reasons, housing prices may finally come down to reasonable levels. So the the housing crash is going to be a good thing. Get ready for that. Saving rates are up. Well, that's good. Everyone's terrified. No one wants to spend their money. So saving rates are up. That's wonderful. Uh, Let's go through some of this because I will say, you know, sometimes we get a little bit, you know, we're conservatives here. A lot of times we talk about conservative issues. We look at it from our perspective. And sometimes we're a little tough on the left happens. Occasionally, you may have noticed that every once in a while in this program. But it's, it's important to understand that Not everyone is uh, on the left is completely blind to what we're facing on the economy. Some people do see a very important thing ahead as it comes to the collapse of the economy. And uh, I will tell you, when you want to find the brilliance, you go right to the source of all intelligence in the United States, AOC.
2: I think it's important
3: to state that um, that abortion is an economic issue,
0: forcing Poor and working class people uh, to give birth um, oh. against their will, Poor. against their consent, mm-hmm. um, against
2: their ability to Ab- provide, ability to for, provide themselves for themselves or a child mm-hmm.
0: is a profound economic issue. And oh. it's certainly a way to keep um, a workforce uh, basically conscripted
3: Basically uh, to conscripted. large-scale employers and to mm-hmm. employers to be to work more uh, against their will, to take second and third jobs against their desire and their own autonomy.
1: Mm. <laughs> now, you might be thinking, if you're listening to this on podcast, why did you say she was smart? She sounded like a complete idiot in that clip. And true, but you didn't see her. She's wearing glasses. So, you know, that's that's pretty good. Seems like a, a brainiac. But don't worry. It's a, she, so look, the left agrees. The economy is just going to collapse because there's not enough abortion. If we get, just get enough abortions, what if we aborted all of our kids? Imagine how good our economy would be then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think about it for a second. Let me go through some of the, uh, the chartapalooza here. Because we are facing something pretty freaking interesting right now. Look back to where we were. You had COVID come in, the economy tanks, and the government response to that is, hey, stay home, never go outside again, and we're going to just dump a few trillion dollars into the economy and let's see what happens. We've been talking about this modern monetary theory thing for a while. What if we just try it right now and see what happens? So we kind of gone through that experiment, and while there have been some tough times, the question is, have we really felt the pain of those decisions? We did have a rise in the economy. Tons of money was jacked into the economy. Most people couldn't go out and spend it anywhere. A lot of people saved it. They've been spending it online. They can now finally go back and take vacations and all these things. So the economy came back, obviously, uh, through, uh, you know, starting maybe in the summer of 2020. Throughout 2021, we saw rising, uh, you know, a rising economy for in many, many ways. But what are we seeing Now, this is the issue here. We're seeing a turnaround. And and you think before an election, how would this be covered if, let's say, there was a Republican president? I mean, I understand at this point that everybody makes the double standard argument. But man, is it really clear here? Let me show you some of what's going on. We all know the stock market uh, went up for a while. And now it's started to come down. We're officially in a bear market now. Let me just give you a little bit of a highlight of where we are. This is from the S&P 500. This is the technology uh, index uh, from Liz Ann Saunders. She's the chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. And what you're seeing now is the S&P 500 tech sector has now erased all gains since November 2020. Uh, That's a lot. You saw a massive rise and now we've seen a massive rise. Fall. All of those gains are gone. We're still dealing with the pain of the influx of money into the economy, but all the gains are gone. How about uh, shipping rates? Now, this is one of the things that we talked about in previous recessions. Um, it, we talked about it a lot during COVID. When there's no demand for something, The price to ship it across the world goes way down. There's plenty of extra capacity. We saw the, um, that's what happened at the very beginning of COVID. As the economy came back online, there were still all sorts of supply chain issues. And we saw saw all the ships, remember all the ships in the bay? We kept seeing all these people like just sitting out, sitting by the dock of the bay, out there wasting time, uh, waiting until they can get in and take off all of these containers off their ships because- we had so much coming in at once, and prices shot through the roof. Well, what is, remember that? It was in the news constantly. What has happened with that? Well, this is what's happened with it. It went way, way up, and now it's come way, way down. Decline in shipping rates. The cost to send a 40-foot container from Shanghai to Los Angeles has fallen, fallen by 74% and is back to August 2020 levels. Do you remember August 2020? If you were in about 39 states, you still couldn't eat anywhere. That was what the state of the world was in August 2020. We were still in basically peak COVID mode. The Northeast had passed their uh, re- really bad peaks of death, but they were still completely shut down. And the South was in the middle of their first sort of wave of COVID. So it was really a time. This is the time around the time where like places, like, even like Texas, were reversing some of their opening policies. That's where we were. Now, after we're all out doing everything, everybody's back to work. Everybody's doing their jobs now. Everybody's able to spend money and do all these things. We're back to August 2020 levels. You know, what I'm saying the economic cliff. Do you see where I'm going with this? Now, let me talk to you a little bit about the housing market. And this, I think, is the most shocking and powerful of all this stuff. They made a chart here and I'm going to show it to you here in a second, but not yet because I want to explain to you what it means. If you went in and you put on, let's say, 20% down on a house and uh, you uh, wanted to pay $2,500 a month, it's kind of a typical mortgage with a typical amount down when you're buying a home. What could that buy you? How much of a house could that buy you? 20% down, $2,500 a month. Well, Back in early 2021, it was $758,572. That's the house you could afford. Now, it's $476,425, the lowest since at least 2004. We are going way, way, way back. These rates are going up incredibly high. People can't afford the mortgages for the homes that they want. And this is going to necessarily drag down housing prices like crazy. There's really no way to avoid it. I mean, think about that. If you think ah, I can spend, uh, you know, twenty five hundred bucks a month and I'll get I'll 20 percent down, you used to get a house that cost three quarters of a million dollars. Now you can't get one that costs half a million dollars. That's a big difference. Well, you're spending the same amount of money here. I mean, the the down payment could be a little bit different, but you're spending the same amount of money per month and you're getting a house that is far inferior to what you could afford just a year ago, several months into the Biden administration. This is a real problem for people from $758,000 to $476,000. And if you think housing prices are not coming down, we're seeing that you can afford less and less here. But what are housing prices at right now? We know they've gone up, right? We all kind of have this loose idea that they've gone up. Let me show you how much they've gone up. And you tell me we're not in the middle of what is about to be a massive housing bubble that's going to pop in an incredibly ugly way. Let me show you um, first the uh, strategic oil reserve. Now, the Strategic Oil Reserve, we talked about gas prices over and over again. They went up through the roof, and then the Biden administration started just bragging about how they weren't the worst in history. They were the second worst in history. Well, that's wonderful. Well, what the way they've done that is to jack all of our strategic, strategic oil reserves out the window. They basically said, hey, let's flood the market with oil so we can lower the prices, which worked like, partially for a while, although there's other factors involved as well. Now gas prices have started to come up. but look at this chart of uh, the last five years of the tr- strategic oil reserve. We have dumped about a third of our strategic oil reserve. Right at the moment, we are on the verge of a world war I don't know if anyone's noticed that. And we just had a massive hurricane hit us. Who knows where the next one goes? Is this a good idea? No. Now, I mentioned housing. Let me show you this. This is the Case-Shiller Index. Now, the Case-Shiller Index, in case you don't know, is a, a well-respected a couple of economists who came up with this measure of measuring um, housing prices in 20 different cities. Uh, that's kind of It gives you a sense of the overall housing um, environment. And the way they do this is, uh, it's a, it's like a it's an index. It starts at 100, and you know normally it's around 100. You go back way back in time. You look at like the Great Depression. It was well below 100. It pops back up. It pops back down. Uh, all around these times. So this is the Case-Shiller index going back to 1987 or so. And you see it was uh, pretty low back in the 80s, around about 80, and it started to rise around 2000, right? We know this story. We know what happened here. And we got up to the point in 2006, 2007 at the peak right before the housing collapse. And you can see at the peak in July 2006 was as high as it ever got, 184 was the number there. And I want you to remember that number 184. And you see after it goes down, right? Like it goes down into 2012, it, it sinks down, you know, what? 30, 40% or something. So that's, we all know that story. Well, where are we now? This is where we are now. You see that, that little bump about halfway down the chart there at 184 was the housing crisis bump. This is where we are today. The peak of the housing price crisis was 184 on this index. We are currently at 308. It has never been this high in the history of America. And we have all of this going on while we were sitting here with all of the other problems we've already discussed going on and interest rates going through the roof so that people can't even afford the houses that are so expensive and overpriced. Does this sound like a good formula for your next few years? Doesn't to me. This sounds terrifying. The good thing is, if I could go back to the Babylon Bee article here for just a second, reason number one not to worry about a tanking economy, Biden and Kamala have totally got this. Never before has there been a more brilliant pair of politicians than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They must have something up their sleeve. Right, guys? This is terrifying. It's one thing to go through a financial crisis. It's another thing to go through a financial crisis with a bunch of idiots in charge of the economy. This is terrifying. And I want you to think about what this would look like if, let's say, Donald Trump were president, if, let's say, Ron DeSantis were president. You see the way the media is covering this. It's a lot of, uh, well, uh, Joe Biden is facing economic challenges. Uh, Joe Biden is facing headwinds. The Republicans are pouncing on this new economic number that doesn't look so hot. All of this is the way that they're they're covering this. Of course, it would be totally the opposite. They'd be talking to every single person out of a job. They'd be telling you, they'd be showing you pictures of the people struggling. They just can't get a, they can't keep, uh, they, they can't keep in their homes. They can't afford their homes anymore. The people with adjustable mortgages that now have to pay five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars extra a month. All of this would be highlighted constantly. This would be an apocalypse if the situation was different. Instead, what we're looking at here is a media that's trying to keep everything together until we can get to November. Just get us to November. Get us past that election. Let the best thing that is possible happen for the Democrats so they can keep control over the government and do. I guess more of the same, but is that working out for us? Look, the truth is we don't know how this will play out exactly. The government tells us we can have a soft landing, but they also told us that there was no inflation and that inflation was here, but it was transitory and that it was no longer transitory, but it won't be that bad, don't worry about it. And about 10 other things that proved out to be wrong. What we do know is that it's impossible, impossible, to inject 5 to $10 trillion of printed money into an economy and expect zero consequences. The AOC world where modern monetary theory works is not a real place. It is a fantasy. The science is already settled on this one. We've seen the pain in the form of inflation already. And it's just hard to imagine that we are already through all the after effects. The markets are down, housing prices are down, interest rates are up, the economy is slowing, the global picture looks even worse, and we have a bunch of idiots at the controls. This is not a recipe for success, boys and girls. And we all better get prepared for it before the hammer drops. Well, we've been talking about the macro economy here uh, today, and looking at the big picture, it can be really intimidating. What's the best thing you can do? Well, you're not gonna be able to change uh, government policy, unfortunately. What you can do, of course, is vote on government policy, but you can also try to take care of your own personal situation. ScoreMaster is a great way to do this. If you go to ScoreMaster and you, you kind of implement the three-week rule, go to ScoreMaster, wait three weeks, get your credit score up because that's what they do. They help you get your credit score higher. You can uh, jack it up. You know, I think it's 61 points on average. And if you get those 60 points, 61 points added to your credit score, you can get a lower uh, interest rate. Rates are going up like crazy right now. You know, you're not going to get the rates that you had just a few uh, months or a couple of years ago, but you can save a lot of money by getting your credit score as high as possible and getting those rates down before you borrow money. Uh, this is a great pl- uh, company that is doing good work to make sure the effects of the, of the macro economy don't hit you nearly as hard. It, gets, it takes only about a minute to get started, and you can get your best credit score possible. Scoremaster.com stew is the place to go. Scoremaster.com stew. Get the seven-day trial that's all set up for you now. Scoremaster.com stew. It's scoremaster.com stew. Joining me now is the Legal Policy Director for the Pacific Legal Foundation, Daniel Dew. His organization is suing the Biden administration over his student loan forgiveness plan. Daniel, how's it going? Great, great to be with you. I really appreciate you coming on the program, of course, but more importantly, what you're doing here, because this is, to me, one of the most blatantly unconstitutional things we've seen in a very long time. And I feel like there's so much So much going on in the news, so many crazy things to react to that this is not getting the attention it deserves. This is grabbing uh, upwards of a trillion dollars without talking to Congress. And it has to be stopped. You guys are doing something to stop it.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is, as James Madison said, the very definition of tyranny is having the power of Congress, the judiciary and the president tied up in one. And that's what this administration has done. They've usurped the authority of Congress Uh, They're using some uh, provision from a 2003 law that was meant to address uh, people struggling with making payments during the Iraq war. And they're trying to pigeonhole uh, half a trillion dollars of spending into this, this small provision that was never intended to be that way.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's clear they don't even believe that it was supposed to be this way. They're just looking for some legal justification here. And I think, you know, You guys are the experts on this, but the big problem here, I don't even think is the argument against this. It's so blatantly wrong what they're trying to do. The big controversy seems to be whether you can find some way to come up with standing so that the lawsuit can go forward. You guys have come up with a way. I know there's some states uh, that are trying a a different approach as well. Can you kind of walk us through for us uh, non uh, lawyers what what this means and how how it's going to, to go forward?
2: Sure. So in order to to get into court, you have to to show that you have a particular harm uh, because of of the action of another. And so it was really difficult to show where somebody had been harmed. Congress, individual members of Congress don't have standing. Uh, We don't have taxpayer standing as you you were harmed as a taxpayer. Um, And so I think that's really what the administration was hanging its hat on. They didn't think that anybody would be able to bring a challenge to this. And so actually one of my colleagues is uh, is named Frank Garrison and he lives in Indiana. Indiana is one of six or seven states that that actually taxes debt cancellation. And so they're gonna count that as ordinary income for him. And so we think that 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 taxation is enough of a direct harm to to give him standing. Now the courts or the the federal government is trying to dance around this, and they're 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 governing at this point by press release and changing their website to to avoid people having standing at all costs. But I, I think you're absolutely right. Everybody knows that this is unconstitutional and a violation of the separation of powers. It's just who's gonna be able to find standing to, to get the courts to read the mer- reach the merits of the case. Okay, and give us the update on what happened
1: here because you guys went forward this and there's some reports that it got, I don't know, thrown out, you may have to refile it. How, how, what's going on with the, with that case at this point?
2: Yeah, so so like I mentioned, the, the court, we, we filed our case and then we filed an injunction to immediately stop the federal government from doing this. Uh, just yesterday, the the federal judge Um, dismissed our, our restraining order without prejudice, meaning that he's inviting us to file again, um, by October 10th, which, which we're going to do. And what we have to do is we have to show that there are other people that are similarly situated to, uh, Mr. Garrison. In order to continue this lawsuit, because basically what what the government has said is, well, if he doesn't want it, we'll forgive him in, in this instance. But you know, this is this is the problem with what they're doing, is, is they're just they're just making it up as they go. They're not doing proper rulemaking, even they're obviously not going to Congress. So, you know, you're in this position where you're challenging the unknowable that they could do it anytime.
1: Right. It seems like their plan here is to just say they're going to do it, but not say exactly how they're going to do it. Wait for the challenges to come in and then retrofit their approach to avoid the lawsuits. I mean, that's not how this is supposed to work.
2: Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I think that, that you're in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If, if you don't file the lawsuit immediately, they're just going to implement it and it makes it Nearly impossible to claw back the 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 debt cancellation, and if you don't, uh, if you do file it, they're just going to you know make the rules up as they go and and try to kick as many people out of court as possible. Uh,
1: so they actually have you you mentioned kind of in passing there that they've adjusted their website. They've adjusted their website to take out a giant chunk of people who are supposed to get this relief. Uh, They and this is an interesting part politically for a million reasons. But like, did they actually like eliminate up close to a million people that were supposed to get this relief? Is that actually true?
2: Yeah. So they've they've changed it. So, first of all, they changed it so that people can opt out, apparently, if they're in position like uh, Mr. Garrison. But then they've also made changes so that uh, some private loans that they previously said that you could convert over, you can't anymore. So they're no longer eligible. And they're doing that to avoid lawsuits from from the carriers of those private debts because they will have clear standing to challenge it. So really, it's it's a -a whack-a-mole situation right now where they're trying to avoid court at all costs.
1: Um, Can you kind of give me a a sense too as to what the states are doing um, while your site, your suit is going on? There's also a, been a lawsuit filed by I think it's six or seven states that have come and said this is unconstitutional, and it's a it's a different argument. Can you can you give me a little bit on that particular path?
2: Sure. So yeah, so six states filed a lawsuit, um, and I think they have two grounds for standing. One ground is uh, specifically in Missouri. Missouri has Mohela, which is I think the largest uh, servicer of of federal student loans in in the nation. And so they are saying that that Mohela, which is a kind of a quasi government uh, entity, is going to suffer on the basis. So I think that's pretty sound ground for for standing. Um, And then the rest of the states are joining in, saying basically that this is going to harm the the economy of of their states. So, like I said, there's a lot of people who view this as unconstitutional. It's. How do you how do you get a court to reach the merits of the case? Uh, you, it's really
1: incredible. You mentioned the Heroes Act, which was this thing basically to say, hey, if there's a you know a terrorist attack and you're overseas fighting a war, the government can let some of the soldiers, for example, um, off of uh, off the hook for some of their debt. That's basically what it was designed to do. Uh, what the government seems to have done here is to say, okay, well, they, it, it doesn't specifically say terrorist attack or war. It just says natural. Uh, natu- National emergency, I think. And so they've just applied this to COVID and said essentially we're all soldiers in the war on COVID. But at the same time, the president is going on 60 minutes and saying, you know, I believe correctly, uh, that the pandemic is over. We still have effects from it, but the pandemic as a as an emergency is over. How can they square this? I mean, this is he's he's trying to have this both ways.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is Uh, This is an extension of what we saw, what we've seen over the last two years, where uh, governors, presidents have declared emergencies and, and taken the whole power of government to themselves and said, you know, basically, I can do whatever I want until I decide it's no longer necessary. And I think that that, you know, a lot of people who like power were emboldened by what they got away with. And now they're just trying to test the limits of of what they can do.
1: Yeah, I'm worried about this as as it touched the pandemic in particular, a lot of these things came and there were, I believe a lot of unconstitutional things done during this period. And a lot of them didn't they wound up sort of expiring, right? Like, you know, we got through the worst part of the pandemic. Some of those restrictions, those things went away and we all sort of forgotten about the uh, forgot about them. They didn't rise to that level where the Supreme Court said never again. You're never going to shut down a church next time you want to do this. You're never you're not going to be able to force people to not be able to go to their jobs for long periods of time. There was no resolution to this. And I feel like we are now still in this area where we're vulnerable to the next guy who wants to say we have an emergency for climate change or whatever other reason is coming down the pike. Is that how you see it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen a number of states step up and they've strengthened their uh, their emergency powers laws by basically putting safeguards saying, you know, yes, you can have an emergency declaration. You can have emergency orders. But if it's going to last longer than 30 days, then the legislature needs to come in and ratify what you're doing. You know, emergency powers are there so that in in times when it's not feasible for Congress or the legislator legislatures to act quickly, that the the executive can come in and steady the ship. It's not there to set a new course which is, I'm afraid, what we're going to see with emergency powers. It is, it is. I can't get what I want through the legislature, and so I'm going to declare an emergency, whether it's the economy, a pandemic, uh, climate change, and I'll just get what I want that way.
1: Mm, it's really terrifying. Um, all right, last one here for you. I, I think we... These are all big issues, but I feel like there's a bigger issue going on now that is is really I think it's scary and it should be scary to everybody in the country. We've we've come to a point now where particularly the executive branch seems to have this idea that they even when they know things are not allowed, they know things are not constitutional. They know they're not going through the correct process. The, the approach seems to be, let's just do it anyway and let the courts stop us. It's possible we get shut down down the line, but we'll get the political benefit out of it. And maybe it goes through. This is, I think, primarily happening on the left. But, you know, I, I, I was I had a real problem with uh, with, you know, for example, Donald Trump on bump stocks. Like he, he seems to seem just like made up power to just ban bump stocks out of nowhere. It's not just the left, although I think it is primarily there. This idea that you can just kind of avoid the Constitution and hope that you can get it by a friendly judge down the road is something that I think is fundamentally against the foundation of this country. And I, I see it happening more and more.
2: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And and you're right that it's a bipartisan problem. I mean, you had President Trump with the eviction moratorium. You had him fund the border wall by yeah. by emergency declaration. You had Republican and Democratic governors do this in their states during COVID. So it's it's definitely a bipartisan problem, and the solution is is that each branch of government needs to step up and reclaim its proper role, and the courts have to be strong in in uh, embracing the separation of powers. You know the the Bill of Rights is is what's sexy and it separate it protects all of our rights, but as Justice Scalia used to say. Every banana republic has a Bill of Rights. North Korea has a fantastic Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights, uh, the the Russian Constitution protects the freedom of expression, but that's cold comfort to the protesters in Moscow. It's the separation of powers that guarantees those rights.
1: Yeah, and the one thing that I don't think anybody could have seen coming is how, how many of these groups will give up their power. I mean, Congress, you know, with trade, for example, has done this over and over and over again. It's just such a strange, strange thing to see happening. But I'm so glad you guys are here doing something about this because I feel like this is the type of thing that will fall off the front pages quickly if we don't act on it. And God only knows what this leads to down the line. Daniel Dew, the legal policy director for the Pacific Legal Foundation, doing really important work on this. Daniel, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. If you caught the monologue today. You might already know this. Uh, it is a really weird time to be going through uh, real estate with the economy the way it is, the market going up and down. Who knows what is next? And that's why I always talk to you about realestateagentsitrust.com. Why? Because it's a little bit of, it's a way for you to get a little bit of an advantage in a really important moment of your life. Look, I'll be honest with you, not everybody goes to realestateagentsitrust.com. The person you're buying from might have a crappy real estate agent, and that's going to be good for you, you know? I mean, that's just, uh, i got to be honest with you, that's your advantage. And why not take advantage of something like that? The people with the best results in your community are at realestateagentsitrust.com. No matter where you are in the country, whether you're buying or selling, make sure you have a good real estate agent, the best in your area. realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, all those crazy election experts out there, they were telling you all sorts of stories about what would happen in the 2020 election. And, you know, I got to say, there's a lot of people who were out there making predictions. Uh, There's only one show that I know of, though, that nailed the electoral count exactly correct. You're watching it or listening to it right now. 306 to 232. It was a hellish uh, story to tell. But I will say. We did nail it uh, last time. And, uh, you know, look, we've had a, a pretty good record over the years. I hope you, uh, you know, uh, have noticed that. Uh, why do I hope you notice that? Because why else would you listen to the stupid show? It's certainly not, you know, certainly not watching it till for looks, you know. I mean, you're watching it for the charts. We all know it. We all know why you're here. You're here for the sexy charts and the magnets on the chalkboard. We got it. I understand. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine to be used by you for my magnets. We're coming up to the election again. We're going to be going through the Senate, the House, some of the gubernatorial races, even some of the ballot measures that are coming up. There's a few pretty crazy ones there as well as we come through the next. It's only like six weeks away, guys, six weeks away from this election. We're going to be all over it here over the next six weeks. Uh, and doing all of our election coverage. Uh, Of course, the best way to experience that election coverage is with your subscription to Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go to make sure you're subscribed to Blaze TV. You, of course, get the the behind-the-scenes of the radio stuff. You get to watch the radio uh, show every single day while we are doing a lot of election coverage. You'll get this show, which is obviously fantastic and the main reason you'd be subscribing. Uh, Also, uh, you get Glenn TV. You get Steve Dace, who's always doing great stuff. Lots of great stuff here uh, on the election. As we get closer to it, and on election night, we are going to have you know coverage going through all the results as as we always do. We always have a lot of fun with that. We either uh, have the uh, the uh, the wonderful uh, um, celebration of the results, or a pity party where we all get depressed and, and probably drink ourselves close to death. So it's going to be lots of fun. BlazeTV.com/stew. The promo code is stew. Save ten bucks on your subscription. BlazeTV.com/stew. Let me tell you about Birch Gold. What a day to tell you about Birch Gold. Have you watched the show today? Did you watch the monologue? Did you see where we are on the economy right now? Uh, you know, it's it's important to make sure that you're diversified, that you are Uh, Holding something that has never gone to zero, like gold, gold can be an important part of your portfolio. And, you know, making sure that you have someone that you can trust uh, uh, with precious metals is really important. I will say we're we're looking at a a difficult time, I think, coming forward. I'm not a financial advisor by any means, but I will say looking, you know, looking at the numbers, you saw them today. It's we're we're at. We're at the edge of the cliff here, it seems like. Uh, Birch Gold can help you diversify, push back against that in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Uh, Do your own homework here. Check it out. If you have a 401K or IRA that's underperforming, text STU to 989898. STU to 989898. You can convert uh, the IRA into a precious metals uh, uh, situation right now. Text STU to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Hedge against inflation. Protect your hard-earned money with gold from Birch Gold. Text the word "stu" to nine eight nine eight nine eight. If a tree falls in the woods and no one is around to hear the sound, does it make a noise? It's a really deep question you may have asked yourself before. Similarly, if Trevor Noah leaves The Daily Show, but you haven't watched it in so many years, it's impossible to remember the last time you turned it on. Do we even know if he actually did host? It's a difficult, difficult question, and Trevor Noah, unfortunately, is not going to allow us to answer it. He's leaving The Daily Show. Here's his announcement last night.
3: And, and I realize that after the seven years, um, my time is up. I, uh, yeah, but in, in in the most in the most beautiful way. Oh yeah. Honestly, is this? I've loved hosting this show. Okay. It's been one of my greatest challenges. It's been it one of my greatest joys. Mm-hmm. I, I I've loved trying to figure out how to make people laugh, even when the stories are particularly on the worst days. You know, we okay. we've, we've yep. laughed That's together, we've cried together. Um, but after seven years, I, I feel like it's 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 time. You know, mm. it's been two years. I think so too. Um, in my apartment, not on the road. You know, up mm-hmm. was done and. And when I got back out there again, I realized there's another part of my life that I want to, I want to carry on exploring. The network know, I miss one, learning that other languages. I miss going to other countries and putting on shows. I mm-hmm. you know, miss just being everywhere, doing everything. And, mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful to every, every single person who's here, even wow. the people who aren't here right now because they went on to do great things who helped us do this thing. Ah, yeah, no. It's, the problem
1: with the Trevor Noah Daily Show thing is that it looks like a lot of the economic charts that we showed you earlier in the show. It's just like, eh, the ratings are just, are down quite a bit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, this is a show, he was handed a show with a really good reputation. I don't think a lot of it was deserved, but it was certainly a, a big part of the pop culture landscape and he's, I mean, you have to admit this, even if you like the guy somehow, I've never met anyone who likes him, but if you, if you happen to be that one person out there who likes him, I mean, he's been completely invisible in this role. I, 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 you, he never makes an impact. No one is ever talking about that show. No one ever shares a funny moment from it. I mean, it has been a gigantic zilch of an experiment with this guy. So I guess they're going to try somebody else. Breaking news, they're not going to be conservative. Uh, they're not... They're going to hate you as much as Trevor Noah does and as much as Jon Stewart did and as much as, I don't know if Craig Kilborn did before that, but Jon Stewart certainly hated your guts and uh, that will continue uh, going forward with The Daily Show. So see you later. They're taking the Daily Show away from us, or at least the Trevor Noah Daily Show. They're going to try to take football away from you as well. If you watched the game last night, you probably know why. Tua, uh, the quarterback of uh, the Miami Dolphins, who seemingly kind of maybe had a, a head injury, Last week, came back four days, actually came back later in that game to finish the game, then came back four days later and just got thrown to the ground in a very brutal uh, way, not an illegal way, not a, uh, no one's, uh, I don't think it was anybody's fault, but he hit his head really hard and then gestured uh, in a way, and he just, like, his fingers were all locked up. It was really gruesome to watch. He was taken to the hospital immediately, uh, but he was able to uh, go back on the plane with the team that night. Seems like he's going to be okay. But, you know, I think it was Will Kane who pointed this out, uh, formerly of The Blaze and ESPN. Um, He's at Fox News now and said, you know, look... And we know this by, by talking about sports every day. There are a lot of people who cover the NFL who really hate it. They don't like it. They, they look for every reason to tear it down. They're constantly trying to highlight every bad scandal, every, every uh, injury, every bad thing about the NFL to make people hate it for some reason. I don't get that. If you don't like the NFL, don't watch it. If you don't want to play in the NFL, don't play in the NFL. Um, the... Watching this, though, is the type of thing that you know is going to change people's opinion, even, even normal people who don't hate the NFL. The NFL's got to figure out some way to minimize this type of stuff, but it's a brutal sport. It's a tough game. Uh, and this has happened to people it has been going back a long, long time. It's just uglier and uglier to watch lately, and the people are getting bigger and bigger and faster and faster. And it is something uh, rough to watch. I do expect. You're going to find some enterprising person who wants a lot of uh, attention to continue to go out and push against and try to do all sorts of things to hurt the NFL through this. We'll see if that actually works. Vladimir Putin has uh, illegally annexed territories in Ukraine in spite of global opposition. I mean, this is sort of the Putin playbook here where he just kind of goes in and says, ah, you guys can vote on whether you want to be part of Russia. And then. And then they just all vote like 90 percent, no matter where he goes. They always vote like 90 percent yes. And then he annexes them. And his plan, I guess, is to say next time he gets hit by a missile inside this territory, you're attacking Russia. Now we can come after you. That's very, very scary and could easily escalate into a global war. The good news is at least you have Joe Biden at the helm. Watch this clip and tell me you don't have any confidence. Okay, thank you. Thank, you. thank response, you. Mr. President. Yes. To right. you. Sir, sir. You. No, don't. Where are you going, sir? And he just wanders off into his office. I think I, after this, he started folding socks. No one even knows what he's doing there. But uh, there he is, Joe Biden, your leader. I'm going to save you from World War III. Okay. So here's what happened. A woman, Linda Torello, unfortunately, passed away from cancer in 2017. She was buried in uh, Orangetown, New York. Now her children would come back occasionally to the grave site to pay their respects. And one day they came back to the grave site and next to the grave, or like right on top of it basically, was a, a bag of poop, okay? They didn't know what was going on. They came back another time. And once again, there was a bag of poop on top of the on top of the grave. So, okay, this is really, really weird. What's what's going on? They decided to set up a a camera to see see if they could figure out what was happening. And what they saw at about 614 a.m. was a man who walked up to the grave and in this case took a pee on the grave on her, their parents, her mom's grave. Okay, that's bizarre. The next day, Guy comes and does it again, right around 6:14 a.m. What is going on? So they can't get the exact face because it's a tough, the the a little grainy the picture. So they set up a, a phone. Next day, 6:14, once again, guy comes back, pees on his grave. Who is he? It's the woman's ex-husband. Now, okay, you're really pissed at your ex-husband, ex-wife, who has died of cancer and you're psychotic enough to go pee on the grave or poop on the grave every day at 614. Couple extra details. They were married 40 years ago for a short time. That's a long grudge to hold. And this guy's new wife came with him every morning. Ah, America.